If you have your Bibles or your Bible on your devices, I invite you to turn with me in uh, the New Testament. That's to the right side. The book of Galatians, it's Paul writing to the church in Galatia. We make this a lot more complicated than it needs to be sometimes trying to understand Scripture. It's a, called Galatians because it was written to people in Galatia who were known as Galatians. Not a secret thing. God's not trying to hide his word from us. Just get in it. A little or a lot. Just be in it. And your life will change. But in Galatians chapter 5, we look now. This is the third week. I have no idea how many of these we're doing because I thought I was just doing one of these, that it is time. And we've looked at prayer and we've looked at living this thing out. And this morning what we're looking at is that it is time to live changed lives. Our world is desperate to see people living out what they claim they believe. One of the reasons that some of the radical things around the world grow is because those people believe in the wrong stuff, but they believe it wholeheartedly. And people are drawn to that. How much more should we be passionate about God's word, about the gospel, the good news, about salvation, about Jesus Christ. It is time to live changed lives. They ought to be able to see a difference. We shouldn't have to identify ourselves as followers of Christ by telling people they ought to see something in us and say, what is that? Say, oh, that's Jesus. I've not always done it right, that's for sure. But the year that I began serving part-time as an assistant pastor, I was still teaching school and still coaching basketball in Indiana, and that's a religion in itself. And my senior pastor who I was serving under came to one of the games. It was a freshman game. Now, in Indiana, you still get a bunch of people at freshman games. And he sat down, and he was there to encourage me. And he sat by the grandparents of one of the kids I was coaching. And they knew him, knew that he was a pastor, and said, your kids aren't old enough to be out here. What are you doing here? And he said, oh, Denny's serving on staff with me. I'm just here to encourage him. And he told me later that those grandparents turned and looked at each other and said, I knew it. And he said, okay, what do you mean? He said, well, we've been watching him. Now, they didn't like some of my coaching, but they had been watching and said, he just handles himself differently. And we were trying to figure out what it was. Now we know. I think they would have liked it if we had won a few more games that year. But I think Jesus liked that somebody noticed. That's how I want to live. That people notice. Say there's something different. And then we get to tell them. Oh it's not me. It's Jesus in me. Let me tell you about him. See it's time. For us to live changed lives. 
And as those lives are changed and as people notice, it's time for us to tell them about it. Take a look with me in the scripture. Galatians um, chapter 5, beginning at verse, let's uh, start at verse 16, even though your outline says 19. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Let me call time out. You ever have those moments when you go, this is what I know I should do and what I want to do. Why do I keep being tempted to do this? Here it is in scripture that your flesh, that's the human side, battles with Christ in you. Because Satan is still alive and he's still messing with us. So that battle goes on. It's why it was written in Romans, you know, why do I do what I don't want to do and what I want to do I don't do. This is it right here. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, (laughs) envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's a long list. And it's not complete. It's an example. said, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. All those things and more. If we continue in those, we will not enjoy the heavenly reward God has planned for us. Verse 22 is the good news. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another, whether it's verbally or on Facebook. I added that last part. But it fits the spirit of the message. So what does all this mean? You know, Pastor, we hear all the time the stuff we shouldn't do. And I'm not about that. I'm about what we should do. But we have to understand it in contrast to what we shouldn't. And the problem is, if I'm doing what I shouldn't, I won't be doing what I should. Because they battle against each other. That's why coaches in practice with their athletes drill and drill and drill. It's why band directors with their members of the band drill and drill and drill doing the right thing because one person doing the wrong thing messes it up. You ever think through those in marching band? Marching band amazes me. I mean, I can't play an instrument anyway. You know, I mean, I have trouble humming and walking. And those who can play an instrument and march around in formation and get it all right, I'm in awe of. You go to 
a high school football game, pay attention to the band, even if you're standing in the concession line. For one thing, they've worked really hard. They deserve you to watch. But secondly, it's amazing that they can do that. They see, everything we face in life, we have those things. They have distractions while they're out there, but they have practiced to do the right thing so that the distractions do not pull them away to do the wrong thing. The athletes drill and drill and drill, and sometimes, coach, I'm so tired, we do the same drill every day. That's exactly right, and here's why. So that your muscle memory of doing it this way so that in that moment in the game when the opportunity comes, you're going to turn the right way. When I coached volleyball, one of the things my players got so tired of hearing is be in the right place. If you're in the right place, you can make the right play. Did it guarantee it? No. But this I guaranteed, if you're in the wrong place, you won't make the right play. Same thing's true spiritually. Let's get in the right place in our relationship with Christ, in our hearts and how we live our lives. So if it's time, and it is, for changed lives, what do we need to do? Number one, we need to focus on the fruit we produce. Those fruits of the Spirit, nine are listed there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't really care if you memorize them. I'm more interested in you living them. I've seen an awful lot of people that could quote them and don't live them. I'd rather you live them even if you can't quote them. We need to be living this fruit. This should represent those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. Because you see, we control the fruit we produce. You say, well, weather. I mean, I have a garden, and man, the weather. Yes, it can, but you can also water the garden. Oh, the weeds. Yep, and you can also pull the weeds. You see, we control the fruit we produce. We need to be watching how we're living so that we are producing this fruit that God has told us we should be producing. Love, joy, peace, patience. That love that's listed there is the Greek word agape. And agape means unconditional, all-encompassing love. Meaning, I am not loving you for what you're doing, I'm loving you. It's the kind of love parents ought to be saying to their children all the time, even in the midst of discipline at times. I love you. I don't like what you did, but I love you. And that's not going to change. That security, that comfort that comes from knowing God loves us, period. And we need to live that same way. You see, we cannot grow or produce what we do not plant. If you attempt to do a garden, Jody and I attempted a garden one year, and I use the word attempt intentionally. We produced nothing because we stink at it and we don't like it. That's part of why we stunk at it. We thought it'd be great. We had this little patch. Uh, the pastor before us had had this kind of little raised garden. We, it's already prepared. Let's do it. Yeah, it didn't work. Because we didn't do the work. Some of it we didn't understand and some of it we didn't want to do. 
So we got what we worked on, which was nothing. Same thing happens spiritually. We get what we work on. If I don't spend some time with God in his word or in prayer, what am I going to get? I'm not even going to recognize it if he sends it. We need to watch what we plant. And those of you that do garden and do it well, thank you. I enjoy it. But I know that you know that if you want tomatoes but don't plant tomatoes, you're not going to get tomatoes. If you plant tomatoes and go out hoping to get a watermelon, you're going to be disappointed. Same thing's true spiritually. So often we're going, why isn't my faith great? What have you invested in it? We control what we produce. In other words, our daily choices determine what fruit we produce. See, if the only time you're investing in your spiritual life is here on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, you are in trouble. Because you live the other six days. You live the rest of this day. We got to invest that time thinking of, praying about, and then living out what we know to do. You see, if you choose the flesh, that simply means the human desires in your in your thoughts, your actions will follow your thoughts. That's one reason I encourage you to be in the Word because that Word will change your thoughts. What we focus on is what we produce. We need to be focused on Him, His Word, and His will. We need to focus on the fruit we produce. Secondly, we must have good soil to produce what we desire. You see, one of the lessons I learned, I, I didn't do anything with it, but I learned this lesson when we attempted that garden was that was not very good soil. It hadn't been used to produce anything for a few years, and I didn't change the soil. I just stuck seed in it and watered it. Well, stuff unlike what I planted, came up because it was already in that soil. It had been contaminated. And that's what I got. Because I didn't make sure the soil in which I planted that was good. We need to make sure the soil of our heart, of our mind, of our life is what it should be. Verses 19 to 21, when it gives that horrific list of things not to do, that's the bad soil. And if I'm living in that, if I'm living in envy, I'm not going to produce love. If I'm living in strife, I mean where I'm contributing to it, not what comes at us. I'm not going to produce much joy. What's the soil of your heart and your mind? What are you doing to tend that soil? We started this year by together reading through the New Testament. 90 days together. 
Many of you completed it. Some of you did some of it. Anything is better than nothing. But I encourage you to just be in the word. Say, I don't understand it. I'd be happy to talk with you about it. The other thing I've discovered is as I read it, I get understanding of it. Because quite often the scripture explains itself if I keep reading. Oh, you got all those books. Yeah, but you know that 90% of my time studying is simply the word. And in fact, I go to those books last. I was just talking with two other pastors about this yesterday. The commentaries and all those other things come after I've been studying the word and letting God speak to me about the word. Then I check some of those things out. Look at the soil. If your home seems to have a lot of strife, what's the soil you're planted in? I don't mean the house. I mean attitude. When our kids were growing up, um, Jody did an incredible job during the school year every morning. She always talked about her goal in the morning was to get them out the door. But there was more to it than that. Her goal was to get them out the door, dressed, all that kind of stuff, but with a smile, if at all possible. And some mornings, that was not easy because my kids were normal kids. And she had to work at it, but she also knew that if she didn't have that about her own self and her own mind and work at it, and one of the phrases they got so tired of hearing that they now repeat to their kids, and we love hearing it. You can choose to have a good day or a bad day. It's your choice, your attitude. Do you know that's true spiritually? You can choose to grow or not to grow. Your choice. But you can't do like I did with the garden and expect to grow. You can't say, yep, I want it, and do nothing. You have to invest in it some time, some effort. We have to watch the soil that we're planted in. We have to have good soil to produce what we desire. And the great news is God will provide it. We have to allow it. You see, you need to be rooted in the Holy Spirit following Jesus Christ because when Christ was here and he left, he told his disciples, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be with you. And we still have that. But if you're not living in that knowledge, if you're not following the Spirit in your life, if you're not allowing the Spirit to control your life, you're not rooted in it and your roots are in some bad soil. You see, we must continue to care for our roots and remove the work of the flesh. Say, what are works of the flesh? Not just this list. Anything that is not founded in the word and the spirit is works of the flesh. Anything that contradicts the word and the spirit is the flesh. You see, I hear people many times saying, Pastor, the Lord told me to do this. And I go, well, that's interesting because God's word says don't do that. Which I can then say with great confidence, you're wrong. That's not God telling you that. 
if it contradicts his word, it's not him. Check it out. But we have to know it to even know if it contradicts it. We have to understand it. We have to continue to care for our roots and remove the work of the flesh. You're saying we have to be perfect? No. He is. And he works in us. But the goal is to be more and more and more like him. So that people look at us and go, wait a minute. I know your dad. It's God. You've probably heard, because every pastor always tells the story, about the young kid who came in and his dad was a mess. His dad was notorious in their small town of everything that had happened in his life. And the kid hated going to school because they knew about his dad and judged him based on his dad. And on and on it went. But he snuck into church one day because he just wanted to be there. And as he's going out, the pastor caught him, literally. Stopped him and said, son, I don't think I know you. He said, tell me, who's your dad? And the kid immediately just, oh, no. And the pastor said, wait a second. I recognize you. God's your father. Just keep following him. It literally changed the kid's life. To realize that somebody else was his father as well. We have stuff in our past that impacts and has influenced and scarred us and molded us into some of what we are today. But the great news is God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit can help us move beyond that. Our past may explain how we got here. It does not have to determine where we go from here. Take care to manage the roots. Take care to make sure we're rooted in the right thing, to care for it, to follow. Is it automatic if I'm in the word I live right? No, I still have stuff I have to do. But I sure got a better shot. Just like I told my players, if you're in the right place, you can make the right play. But if you're not, you won't. So get in the right place in your own relationship, in the word, being around others who can encourage and support you. Get in a smaller group than just this group. That's why we're starting some more. And we have stuff going on now already on Wednesdays and Tuesdays and I don't forget where else, Sundays. Start one. That's why some of us gathered Tuesday night and prayed together. Because it matters to surround yourself with that, to hear words from others who are also lifting you up to the Father. Take care of your roots. Number three, we must be changed in order to live changed. I've seen too many people who said, yep, I like that. That's how I want to live. But they never made the choice to accept Jesus. We have to make that choice. His name was Jan. He was a parent of a couple of teenage girls who started coming when I was a youth pastor and they got saved. And then mom started coming and she got saved and dad started coming and, and he was, you know, enjoying it. 
And he was saying stuff, but one night the pastor said to him, Jan, let me talk to you. He said, when did you accept Jesus? He said, I haven't. He said, well, Jan, you're saying some of the stuff, but you have to make the choice. You don't just get this by osmosis. You have to make a choice. There needs to be a point in time in your faith story where you say, here is when I said yes to Jesus. We keep saying yes. But we need that moment. Is it better that Jan was coming around? Absolutely. In fact, that's what led him to making the choice. But we had to explain to him, just rubbing shoulders with others who've made the choice doesn't make your choice. You have to make your own. My parents were awesome. My grandparents on both sides were followers of Christ. My great-grandparents were. I am blessed. And I still had to make my own choice. And so did my kids and so did my grandkids. You have to make your own choice. We choose how to live. And you see, you need to choose to live the change that you desire. A Christ follower first, then a surrendered and sanctified life. But you must choose the change you desire. You need to allow the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to empower you to live changed. Here's the best news. See, it's discouraging to take a look at those fruits of the Spirit and go, man, that is not easy. I've been trying to do that. I can't seem to do it. You're right. On your own, you can't. But with Him, you can. See, He provides the power, the wisdom, and the guidance to live a changed life. And it is time for us to live changed lives. People are desperate for connection. They are desperate for true community. Getting to know and be known. And if we, who claim to be followers of Christ, will live out changed lives, then they will be attracted to a changed life. It's time. Let me ask you this morning, what is it time for you to do? In the list or in something not on that list, did the Lord just kind of tap you as we read that and said, yep, you need to work here. On those fruits of the Spirit, was there one that the Lord just kind of went, Need to work on that one a little, don't we? He did me. Not really any of your business, but he said it to me about more than one of them. It's time for us to choose to live changed. The good news is it's laid out for us. The best news is we don't do it alone. But it is time. Father, thank you for providing what we need to live the life you've called us to live. Thank you for providing the soil we need to produce the fruit that you've called us to. Thank you. Lord, today may we leave here striving to produce the right fruit. Help us to be honest and evaluate and see that if we're not, 
that we confess it and make the changes needed. Lord, help us to take care of our soil, to tend to what we're doing and to help one another do that. Lord, may we encourage each other. May we pray for each other. May we help one another. And may we live this out in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our places of business and where we work so that others will see the change. It is time. In Jesus' name, amen.